Welcome aboard, everybody. This is your VU one 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 for Ju- what, what 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 wait wait did you did did you just say one one one? Yes, I did. Well, I thought that yesterday was one one two. Very perceptive, my friend. Yes, yesterday was one one two, and a perceptive listener pointed out the fact that in the episode list, there was no 111. So I got to looking back at it, and sure enough, the listener was correct. There was no 111 uh, on the episode uh, list. So I went back, I looked at my notes, it turned out I had a script for VU 111 back on June 10, but I had lost my voice and didn't record it. Yesterday, when I looked back at the scripts, not at the episodes, just the scripts, I saw I, ha- I had scripts up through 111, so I thought I was on 112, and uh, thus, uh, <laughs> we're going back to the future. Back to the future, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, VU 111. It'll be very interesting to see. Will the, will the podcast platform prioritize the episode number, or will it go chronological by date recorded? And thus, the episode number would be out of order. Be very interesting to see. All right. So, VU 111 for Tuesday, June 23, year of our Lord, uh, 2021. Uh, beautiful day here in uh, central Indiana, Carmel, Indiana. And mid-70s, beautiful, slight breeze, and uh, just enjoying life here in central Indiana. Woody come be your host, bringing you the Back to the Future blend of Coffee, Current Events, Faith, and FSU Sports. All right, so uh, today, ladies and gentlemen, on my back-to-back VUs, right, back-to-back, after two weeks of silence, back-to-back VUs, all right, here we go. We're going to do the oft-attempted, seldom-accomplished five-segment VU, right? This is like an Olympic-level VU. This is this is like the attempt where the 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 diver, the skater, the whoever, the whoever, the, like the 12 twist with two t- somersaults and whatever, and you try to nail the landing, right? So uh, this has been attempted many times, seldom succeeded, but I'm going to give it a shot. Five segments. Here they are. Beyond Big Bird, God Save the Queen, Weaponizing the IRS, Feminists to the Rescue. And prayers for the persecuted. All right, those are our <laughs> those are our five segments uh, for today. We're going to start with Beyond Big Bird. Now, I don't know if you saw this or not. Uh, this uh, this news came out uh, just the other day. Uh, this is I'm actually looking at the Today Show website, and uh, this was from yesterday. Here's the headline: Sesame Street, Sesame Street. You know the children's program features two gay fathers for the first time in 51-year history. All right, and so the, the, um, the byline is love is love, and we're so happy to add this special family to our Sesame family. All right, this is by Scott Stump on the Today Show uh, website. So Sesame Street is marking Pride Month. By showing a type of family that has never been seen in the 51-year history of the iconic children's television show. 
the show st- uh, starred an epi- uh, the show shared an episode last week called Family Day that features a married gay couple of two dads and their daughter. So it talks about who plays those various parts. And uh, then uh, it says that a character in the episode observes that, quote, all of our families are so different. These all kinds of different families, but what makes us a family is that we love each other. Okay. So the story goes on to talk about it and how honored and humbled I was to direct it, the director says, and how honored they were to play in it and uh, all the virtual signaling um, quotes that uh, the HR department can figure out and the PR department can figure out, and they all, all said them on cue. So uh, there you have it. Your, uh, your, kid, your grandkids, your kids uh, watching Sesame Street now see that uh, two, having two dads is, uh, yep, it's just, it's just kind of part of it, part of it. All right, that's uh, Beyond Big Bird. Now, here's number two. Uh, speaking of woke madness, um, <laughs> not only do we have Beyond Big Bird, now we have God Save the Queen. The God Save the Queen uh, segment, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you read this uh, from London, England. You know, the, uh, the Queen, she, um, of course, she's a widow now, and but she recently celebrated her birthday, right? Um Anyway, from the Huffington Post, uh, and says, Portrait of Queen Elizabeth uh, removed from Oxford due to colonial history. Graduate students' decision to take down the photo of Queen Elizabeth drew outrage from some and cries of cancel culture. This is by Kathy Ledbetter on Huffington Post uh, site, says, uh, Graduate students at the University of Oxford, have removed a portrait of Queen Elizabeth from their common area because of its ties to, quote, colonial history, end quote, prompting cries of cancel culture and also headlines around the world. Members of the uh, Magdalene College Middle Common Room, or MCR, decided to take down the portrait during a committee meeting on Monday according to the BBC. The outlet reported that the graduate students wanted to shelve the photo of the Queen because, quote, for some students, depictions of the monarch and British monarchy represent recent colonial history, end quote. All right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Then uh, the, the, the college tries to push back and say, no, this doesn't really represent the college, you know, some, some, something. Um, but you know, we have this student group and they can make these decisions and something, 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 but don't worry, the photo will be safely stored, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, yeah. (sighs) What can I say? The portrait, the queen, the queen, uh, at Oxford university, uh, being removed colonial, colonial ties, it says. Yeah. Segment number three. Hey, we're making up ground here. Guys, listen, we got a shot at it. We got a five shot. We got a shot at a five segment VU. Beyond Big Bird. God save the Queen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have segment number three. 
And that has to do with weaponizing the IRS. Now, remember that uh, Obama, the Obama administration, uh, of which obviously Biden was a uh, more coherent uh, part. Um, <laughs> by the way, did, 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 did you see him on that foreign trip? Biden, the current occupant, as I call him. Um, yeah, I mean, when he went to that, that G5 and all that, I mean, he, finally, he finally had to get out on the stage by himself like a world leader, like the leader of the world's greatest superpower, right? He couldn't have his wife by his side whispering something. He didn't have a teleprompter, right, just off, off, off camera uh, giving him the answers. Uh, he wasn't standing at a podium with a script. He had to actually sit down in a chair, take questions, uh, and answer questions uh, in a kind of panel discussion. Then uh, he had a press conference where he said, and I'm, I'm just bumbling, fumbling, bumbling. Are you, did you see it? Did you hear it? Oh, my goodness. I mean, the whole world saw it. The whole world. I mean, world news is world news, is not, not U.S. news, of course. But world news is talking about the, the condition of the president of the United States. Unbelievable. Well, anyway, back when uh, he was more coherent, he was in the administration, the Obama administration. Remember, they weaponized the IRS and they went after uh, conservative uh, groups. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you might have heard about this whole thing about Catholic bishops uh, getting conservative Catholic, I mean, actual uh, people who follow the faith of the Catholic Church. Uh, getting together and deciding that uh, perhaps those uh, folks, politicians who advocate um, pro-abortion stances should be denied communion, right? They're out of fellowship with the teachings of the church. Makes perfect sense to me, all right? Now, um, and that's, of, of course, completely within their prerogative to do. Uh, it's within the domain of those uh, who are part of the Catholic Church. They're not imposing this on somebody else. This is about if you, if you are part of the Catholic Church and therefore you're submitting yourselves to the rule of order, the teachings uh, of the Catholic Church, well then you, you, you get to be judged accordingly with, within, that, within that group. Makes perfect sense to me. All right, so you probably heard about that. Well, now here I bring you this from the Christian Post. Uh, this was a, uh, Monday, and uh, here's the headline. Democrat warns Catholic Church it may be stripped of tax-exempt status if politicians denied communion. <laughs> okay, uh, this is by uh, Anna Graw. Kumar is the writer. All right, so here's, here's part of the story. The U.S. Catholic bishops draft a controversial document on whether priests can deny communion to politicians who support abortion. But one House Democrat has implied that the Catholic Church should lose its tax-exempt status if churches institute such a ban. Quote, this is by Jared Huffman, a Democrat of California. This was a tweet, right, that he uh, put. So it says, 
if they're going to politically weaponize religion by rebuking Democrats who support women's reproductive choice, then a rebuke of their tax-exempt status may be in order, end quote. Huffman's Post came nearly uh, after nearly 60 House Democrats released a, quote, statement of principles to warn the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops against what they deem as, quote, weaponizing the Eucharist, end quote. All right. Um, <clears throat> so uh, an overwhelming majority of the bishops, 168, voted in favor are proceeding with the draft document, while 55 voted against it, the document about uh, denying the Eucharist to uh, the pro-abort people. Um, the bishops will continue working on the document, which will be presented to the public at a later date. All right. While the document will pr provide guidelines for the reception of communion, it will leave, quote, decisions on withholding communion up to individual bishops, end quote. But in their statement, the Democrats solemnly solemnly urge, quote-unquote, the church to, quote, not move forward and deny this most holy of all sacraments, the source and summit of the whole work of the gospel, over one issue, end quote. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, now, um, what can I say? What can I say? Well, first of all, um, I would say that um, the, the, the Catholic Church is, again, perfectly within their purview of um, using whatever church discipline that they deem appropriate within their Catholic doctrine for the members who have voluntarily become part of their fellowship, okay? Now, I also think, by the way, this would be true of anyone outside the Catholic Church that goes to any other kind of church. I think any other kind of church could uh, make the decision uh, to withhold communion from someone who, let's say, was a public figure who advocated a position that was clearly against the statement of faith and the t biblical teachings of Scripture that are held by that particular church. That's completely within their purview of doing so. And uh, this is, this is the, the part of the freedom of religion that we have protected by the First Amendment. Now, let me remind you of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. It says this, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Okay? Now, it goes on to talk about freedom of speech, press, blah, blah. This is the part about religion. Now, <clears throat> Why, 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 was that, why was that put in there? Why was that put in there? Well, in the broadest sense, it was put in there because uh, this whole nation was founded uh, by people who were fleeing from government interference in their religious practices. Uh, they were fleeing 
from England and the and the imposition of the king's uh, mandates about how religion was going to be uh, performed. And they came to the United States in order to have freedom of conscience, being able to exercise their faith uh, as they saw fit. So in the biggest picture, that's one of the reasons why this is in here. It's kind of like, look, guys, we've been here and done that, where the government tries to interfere and tell me uh, how I should run my church service on Sunday morning. And so we're going to have an amendment in here right away that says, look, that's, you need to stay away. The government needs to have its space, but it, it can't come over here and tell me how to run my uh, morning worship service. It can't decide I should sing four songs instead of three, or I should, uh, you know, uh, read, uh, you know, from the Gospels, uh, you know, on every third Sunday, but read from the Old Testament every two Sundays, or whatever it is, right? They, they can't come in and decide this is the liturgy that you have to follow, nor can they decide the polity or the discipline of the local church. They just can't. It's not their role. Now, the more immediate reason that was in the Constitution back in the beginning, uh, which most people have lost track of completely, uh, is they say, well, you know, the government, this is separation of church and state. You know, the church can't establish a faith. The church can't be in favor of one faith or the other. No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen carefully. That when, when, when this was first, this is 1776, right? When this thing first came down, uh, not today, I'm talking about when it first came down, this was a restriction on the federal government. It was not a restriction on the state government. So the fact of the matter is, there were state governments, there were states or colonies which became states which favored right? A more Calvinist or Presbyterian, a more uh, Baptist or a more Methodist or whatever. There, there, there were some of that out there. And, uh, and so part of this was the state saying, now, wait a second. Um, we don't want to, there to somehow be elected to Congress a majority of people who hold this doctrine who are going to come into our state and tell us we need to switch from Methodist to Presbyterian. That was part of the discussion back then. And again, part of the reason for the First Amendment. So the net-net is these Democrats um, are, first of all, outing themselves <laughs> by, by identifying themselves as, as, the, as the party uh, which is violating, has members which violate the teachings of the church. But number, <laughs> number two is that they are clearly going direct. They keep talking about how they want to save democracy. This is a direct assault uh, on the tenets of the First Amendment. The, 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 they have no role in telling the uh, church uh, what it, it can and cannot do in terms of the practice of its faith. So anyway, um, that's... Uh, <laughs> that's that's number three. Now we took some time on that one. We're going to take a brief break, come back and quickly. We're going to do segments four and five feminists to the rescue and prayers for the persecuted right after this. All right. Welcome back. Segment number four feminists to the rescue. 
<laughs> All right, I'll bring you this story from Breitbart. It was published uh, yesterday. And uh, Alana Mastrangelo is the author. Here's the to- uh, headline. says, uh, Self-Proclaimed Radical Feminists Slam Loudoun County School Board Over Transgender Policies. In a letter to the Loudoun County School Board on Monday, self-proclaimed radical feminists slammed a policy on single-sex spaces, which they say bolsters the transgender agenda. The feminist affirmed that, quote, girls deserve privacy from boys, huh, including boys who claim to identify as girls. Oh, my. Quote, we are the two leading radical feminist activist organizations operating in the United States. In quote, began the Women's Human Rights Campaign and Women's Liberation Front in a joint statement addressed to the Loudoun County, this is in Virginia, Loudoun County, Virginia School Board. It is our understanding that the board is poised to obliterate single-sex spaces in schools throughout Loudoun County, Virginia, they continued. If this is correct, we are appalled and disgusted at the direction in which this county is headed. All right. And so the statement also noted that the Women's Human Rights Campaign, quote, challenges the discrimination we experience from the replacement of the category of sex with that of gender identity, end quote. And that the Women's Liberation Front, quote, fights at the front line of feminism. Together, we will not tolerate the obliteration of single-sex spaces, end quote. And so it goes on to talk about the uh, particular circumstance that called this to their attention. I say feminists to the rescue because of this. It's like... First of all, I kind of wondered when the feminists were going to show up, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, uh, decades and decades of forwarding femini- of forwarding the rights of women and girls, Title IX, right, women's sports, all of that, equality of pay, the workforce, all of that. Um, and, and now here comes this gender identity, this, this transgender thing where transgenders— are going to compete in girls' athletics in which a biological girl cannot compete. They cannot compete uh, against a boy who has transitioned into a girl. They just can't compete. And so, and then there's the spaces in the locker room. Uh, you know, here's here's a, a boy who's transitioning, but, but is in a girl's locker room and all of this. I was wondering when the feminists would show up. To, to stand up for the rights of women and for girls. Well, anyway, finally happened, at least in Virginia. And I say that they come to the rescue because, gosh, somebody's got to speak up. It's clear the church is not doing a very good job. And when the church does speak up, uh, people are too squeamish to uh, uh, be able to, to put up. Well, I'm not sure that should be talked about in church. Um, so, and... Uh, Gosh, Christians uh, in the workforce aren't willing to talk about it, of course, right? Uh, of course. So, but at least some radical feminists showed up and and had something to say about it. So, uh, feminists to the rescue. All right, ladies and gentlemen, last thing today is uh, uh, the, the sad but continuing situation of uh, Christians being persecuted for their faith uh, in uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran.
This from the Jerusalem Post. It turns out that there's a brand new uh, statute uh, that was signed by the uh, outgoing president, you know, the, the moderate one, uh, Rouhani. Uh, he, he signed in, I'm scrolling down here, he signed in on a new penal code known, known as Article 500 BIS, which deals with sectarian activities. All right. And so uh, it was passed by the uh, parliament in February. And so it states that, quote, any deviant education or propaganda that contradicts or interferes with the sacred Islamic Sharia will be severely punished. Okay, and so, uh, yeah, uh, what happened is there, there are currently uh, three uh, people who are part of the Church of Iran denomination. They were in a city called Karaj, it's in northern Iran. Uh, they converted, they were Muslims, they converted to Christ. And so they're being charged with sectarian activities. It names these uh, three men, and uh, they have been released on bail. They've been instructed to report to police weekly. And then this article also says, additionally, they were advised to leave the country and not pursue any mediation for the case. Seventeen other members of the church were also interrogated. Now, so this is very uh, classic of what happens in Iran. And that is they arrest, um, they arrest certain people, typically people they think has, have some profile in a particular uh, setting of Christians. And uh, then they'll take them in, kind of rough them up. They'll put them on trial. The trial will be uh, somewhat public and all this. But eventually uh, uh, they let them out on bail. Uh, and they tell them this, what seems like a contradictory message. On the one hand, they say, you need to report to the police weekly. At the same time, they say, you need to leave the country. So what's interesting about it is they actually give the people there. They don't, they don't seize their passports. They actually give them their passports and say, look, the best thing for you to do is leave the country. And that's exactly what they do. Um, and so uh, Christians who've been in, put in this position in effect, are forced to leave the country, leave their family, leave their home, leave their job, uh, leave their relatives. Uh, and uh, uh, even if there are, there are people in other parts of the Western world, the United States willing to kind of rescue them and take them in, the fact of the matter is they've been completely displaced from, uh, from their family uh, because of their faith. So we need to pray for those who are continuing to spread the gospel uh, in this amazingly fast-growing uh, evangelistic setting uh, of uh, what one would think would be the oppressive context of Iran, but the gospel is, is spreading like wildfire, and that's why they're continuing to try to crack down, uh, but they can't do it um, on stopping the gospel. So uh, definitely want to pray for those folks. All right, guys, uh, a back-to-back vu. Welcome to 111. <laughs> <laughs> we'll post it. We'll see where it ends up. And uh, guys, we'll see you then again next week. Unless there's an emergency VU, we'll see you guys again next week uh, for VU. I guess it would be 113, right? 113. All right. Thanks so much, guys. God bless you all.